Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Kind of Funny Games cast. I'm one of your hosts, Greg Miller, alongside Forbes 30 Under 30, a.k.a. the future class of video games, a.k.a. the OK Beast, Blessing, Adioye Jr. Greg, right here in front of me, I have sitting this beautiful, beautiful, big, portable device. God, hold, it up, hold it up. Let me the, see. This is as close as I can okay. ever get this to. Oh! Um, yeah, I have. So, like, I a while ago, I talked about how I was going to gift my nephew a Switch for Christmas. That ended up not happening because I ended up not traveling for Christmas because Omicron got crazy. So I'm actually going to be. Kid. Yeah, no, yeah, he's gonna. I was like, he, he'll live if he dies. He dies. But but I actually go to Houston uh, this weekend. I'm gonna visit with him and the family. I'm finally gonna gift him the Switch, and Ooh. I've been trying to figure out what games do I get him because like I think I'm sure. gonna for sure give him Mario Odyssey because like that's a favorite of mine on the Switch. Well, uh, stop right there. Mm-hmm. Now I want we'll go one by one in introductions. Everybody will give you their game. How's that sound? Oh, that's perfect. That's perfect. For context, he's like eight years old. Hispanic heartthrob, Texas treat, Latino heat, clicking heads and ripping them to shreds. The globe trotting, headshotting from Twitch.tv. He's a nitro rifle. It's Andy Cortez. Andy, what game would you give? I'm going to get two recos. Mm, two recos. Mario 3D you're, you're World. You're literally the first person to step up and you're breaking the system, but okay, cool. Mario 3D World. And leave him a little, leave him a little 30 bucks on the system. Oh. Put a little 30 bucks on there and be like, whatever you want, man. You, there's probably some, uh, if he's like my nephew, probably some My Hero Academia shit on here or some sort of anime thing you like or whatever. Go ahead and just go buck wild or buy that little indie game that costs $7. You know, there's a lot of stuff like that. I like that. Okay, hold on. I'm putting this down. So Mario 3D World. Oh, I got this typed out. 30 bucks. What, what are you putting on there already, Bless? Uh, Mario Odyssey. Mario Odyssey. <laughs> then... She works at GameSpot.com, Giant Bomb, and she's obsessed with filing cabinets. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Lucy James Games. Hello, Lucy James. Hi. Thank you what? for your filing cabinet recommendation, by the way. I don't even know if it helped at all. It was just the most generic you know, filing cabinet off of Amazon, but I hope it helped you get inspired to get your own, so I don't know. It really did. It really okay, did. Okay, good, good. What would you give this seven- to eight-year-old boy on the mm-hmm. Nintendo Switch? Uh, two things. One of them's free. One of them's free, so it doesn't count. Okay. Um. Minecraft. Mm. It's an eight year old boy. Can't go wrong. Yeah. And also, eight year old boy. Can't go wrong. And I say this because of a chilling life experience I had where I met my like brother in law's nephews and they came up and they were like, oh my God, you work in games. Like, do you play Fortnite? And they were so excited to meet me and meet someone who works in games. And I said that I didn't play Fortnite and my stock just. Oh. Yeah, wow. that's a heartbreaker. That's a heartbreaker. So put Fortnite on that bad boy. Yeah, I think you yeah. said Gal Gun. I wasn't sure. Wait, what you were calling did, that. is Fortnite and Minecraft those are you two? Yeah. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. For an eight, for an eight year old, you can't go wrong with that. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. So we have Mario Odyssey, we have Mario three D World, we have thirty dollars, we have Minecraft, we have Fortnite, we have. I would say, uh, if we're just putting out two, we're just putting. I'm sorry, what was it? 
V-Bucks. V-Bucks. Well, don't lock him into the Fortnite ecosystem. If he has the 30 bucks, he could use that right there, couldn't he? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's not actually perfect. So. Yeah. Okay. And I also like I, this because like, like, Fortnite and Minecraft are free. So, yeah, Greg, give me two because I got money to spend now. Thank you very much. I would say from the new hotness, and I don't know this kid, but I assume he's a kid. Yeah. Lego Star Wars Skywalker Saga. Ooh. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Put that really on there, good. right? And then from the old guard, I'd give get Mario Kart. Like, there's a reason. The attach rate is yeah. insane for Mario Kart, right? It's just too much fun. And then you could play it, and you could just literally beat the shit out of him. Mm-hmm. Oh, so you also yeah. switch sports. Beat the shit Ooh, out of Ooh, that is a good one, too. That is a good one, too. And here's a seventh recommendation. Y'all were just talking about it, Greg and Barrett. Marvel Ultimate Alliance. I think yeah. a kid that age... I could be any superhero I want. I just beat the shit out of bad guys as the superhero that I like from the Marvel movies that I watch. Cool. Awesome. I was I was Happy thinking it, but I didn't say it. But that would also be yeah, another hot one. Mm -hmm. So right now, Sorry, I got Marvel's Ultimate Alliance 3, Mario Kart 8, uh, Deluxe, Lego Star Wars The Skyworks Saga, Fortnite, Minecraft, Mario Odyssey, Mario 3D World, and an extra $30. Right. This kid's been balling. Real quick. Is Slime Rancher on? switch this kid's not a loser yeah Lucy. no he's not oh. yeah, this kid's cool. he's a cool kid maybe inside <laughs> i was confused when lucy said this but then i thought she landed the plane but then cameron kennedy's calling in this you were saying that fortnite's free you have to buy minecraft right is Minecraft minecraft's not free yeah play. minecraft you have to buy before yeah, okay. sure. um, the way yeah, you introduced yeah. it i think it sounded to me oh, it's not like you're saying I minecraft it. yeah exactly just gotcha. make sure we're on the same page we're on the same page also slime rancher said, is on uh is in fact on twitch but this kid ain't no fucking loser he's not a dork. it's a fun game look at lucy james you think blessings nephew is this dorky you you know what i mean you think I you look at Lucy fun. James. Yeah, I know Lucy James, how excited so, were you yeah, for your wearable duvet cover three seconds yeah, ago? You told me this kid is that big of a loser. I came into the Discord group and I was like, guys, Tam got me a blanket that you can wear. And I, although you all went, ooh. Well, and we're then all you losers. Like, yeah, for sure. Yeah, so we know that. For no, sure. It's, you know, this it's kid's a pot called the kettle black over here. Mm -hmm. You know how it works. Because this. Is the kind of funny games cast each and every week ladies and gentlemen we come together to nerd out about all the things we love and sometimes don't love about video games if you love nerding out with us you should go to patreon.com slash kind of funny games over on patreon.com slash kind of funny games you could hear the ballad of jorge over on kind of funny games daily's post show right now but more importantly you could be watching live uh just like win stances uh madeline stanley is an omega 3r if you're watching live right now you're a trog thank you so much make sure you're popping off in the comments with your answer to the question we have from mr mr evil 37 coming up because of course if you support us on patreon.com slash kind of funny games you can write in to be part of the show you can get the show ad free and you can get the exclusive post show we do each and every week blessing tim getty's down today snakes both eyes normal both. thing we can't exactly yeah we can't get away from him i know you you and me had to go to a memorial service for his eyes before this did you have time to do a bless who oh yeah i did it during the memorial thank you perfect yeah. that's how tim would have wanted you to do it yeah, yeah. No, yeah, I was of course. Bless if you've never heard of Bless You, it's America's number one game show, and it's our post-show game show that you should stick around for, and it's a great time, and yada, yada, yada. And then, of course, you can hear the Ballad of Jorge over on Kind of Funny Games Daily with me and Jorge. Don't I, know what that is. Don't I got a lot know. of questions about that. Yeah. Well, you know, just listen you know to Kind what? of Funny actually, Games Daily. Yeah. Actually, Andy, I will say, it was actually kind of a wholesome uh, post-show. So oh. let me check it, check it out. I know, I, I know it sounds a little weird when Greg introduces it as the Ballad of Jorge with no context. <laughs> Are you telling me that's not a selling point? I put up a Twitter video not, today. Really I put up a Twitter video, hashtag pray for Jorge, and it was the breakout of 50 seconds where I just scream about Jorge. Is that not getting people to click on it?
If you got no bucks, toss our way and you don't want to hear the ballad of Jorge, no big deal. YouTube.com slash kind of funny games, roosterteeth.com, podcast services around the globe each and every week for a brand spanking new episode chock full of ads no post show no jorge but you still have a good time uh, if you want us to go a little bit further to support us why not use the epic creator code kind of funny whenever you're using something on the kind of funny uh no that's not right when you're on the epic game store uh you can use the kind of funny code we get a few bucks kick back if you don't play on the pc you're playing your Fortnite on your switch you're playing your rocket league on the playstation 5 of course the kind of funny creator code works there as well please use it and tell your friends to. You go. You're one of these. You're a blessing, right? You're about to gift some kid a switch. Put the code in beforehand. You know what I mean? Then the kid just doesn't ever. Oh. I, I think. But I think it only lasts for like a season or some bullshit. And then like you have to put it in again. Well, the thing that I'm worried is is that oh maybe I can see like because I would set it up under uh, my sister's email right like i'm not going to set it up with my email so, but maybe i could hit her up and be like yo let me set this thing up for you oh well, that was one of my questions when we were talking idea. about the 30 bucks and downloading fortnite and stuff like i don't know yeah like you know for me and even as a kid right there was that thing of like oh turning on a system for the first time and like putting in your own information in like i don't i don't know how kids do it i guess in the modern day because i guess actually none of that makes sense you didn't do that in my day you know you fucking blew in the cartridge and you plugged it yeah, in and it worked plugged it in it worked. yeah exactly so i don't know how you make us you make anything for them how you you know gotta it's make a miracle that games worked Honestly, I, I think about I think about it often of like, how do these kids even figure this out? Because, yeah, like back in our day, we just put in the N64 cartridge, turn it on and it works. Whereas like little little Israel over his name is Israel. Little Israel has to like find an email. I'm sorry, your nephew's name is Israel? Yeah. God, your family tree is just the coolest fucking <laughs> set of names. Oh, yeah. Very biblical <laughs> over on my over in my family. I love but, it. Like, yeah, like he he like is he gonna make an email, memorize a password, like figure out an app? He probably already has. He probably nah. already has a bunch of emails. At at eight years old, no, that's not a like no. My, my brother put in his info. I put in my info a bit, and I actually accidentally shop funds. I accidentally bought something on my brother's card without knowing. Nice. <laughs> I bought like a fifty dollar card for my nephew. My brother was like, "Did you just?" Uh... I was like, "Oh shit!" My bad. <laughs> when, I, when I gifted my uh, uh, my sister a Switch Lite, who I think at the time she was going into high school, like I set all that up for her because you know, even though she's a little older, like, nah, I knew she wasn't gonna set that shit up, you know. Mm. Or you could be a cool uncle who reserves him a good email address that he can you can carry on with him, oh. you know. Oh. We're gonna, we're gonna run out of emails. Izzy Brizzy. Yeah. <laughs> Lil Izzy. <laughs> and, and you could do that. Lil Izzy Bert. <laughs> I was gonna say you could do that cute thing of like every year on his birthday you could send him an email and then when he's oh. eighteen you can read them oh. all. And it's just like I smoked you at Fortnite <laughs> just for ten years. See, I've I've heard this before, and obviously I have a child, as you all know. Uh, and I've what? thought before about this, you know, doing the email address and send them on. Like at 18, do you think they would care? Would it was it gonna hit at 18? When are you, when are you sentimental? You know what I mean? When do you want to read all this stuff from your? Stupid I mean, maybe do 13. I feel like 13 is a good age. Mm, mm, yeah, mm. I mean, like I set up my first email address when I was about 10, and it was a misspelling of my own name. Nice. So I would mm. say do it for them we'll see i, I live like me you're, they're gonna be more sentimental at 18 when they're you know going into a next chapter of their life rather than 13 when they're like fucking snarky and, and shitty you know that's true i don't care about it like they're watching disney movies like maybe they're not one of the snarky shitty ones maybe they're the ones that like are well behaved and get good grades and watch pixar movies for a living 
you know, like I, I 13, that's their job <laughs> for yeah. a living. Yeah. Well, they, they do it to make money, but like they're, they're, they're the kids that are like well-adjusted and like have a good future ahead of them as opposed to like, I don't know, man, one of those Barrett's who like disobeys everybody and breaks the rules. Sure. Fucking Barrett out there doing Ollie's smoking reefer. <laughs> I know. I, 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 I can, I can, I can picture it. I can picture it. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you can picture kind of funny, let's talk about some housekeeping. Uh, first and foremost, kind of funny wrestling features, Jeff Grubb and Lucy James brutalizing their opponents this week. Please check it out over on youtube.com slash kind of funny games. We have so much fun making that show and it's going so incredibly well. Lucy, you had quite the debut. How did you feel? Well, I was in the middle of doing some voiceover and, um, one of our freelancers, Alessandro hit me up and he was like, are you watching kind of funny right now? And I think you can hear me on the voice of a go, oh God. And then, like I switch over. It was so fun. Cause I, I saw the picture of me in game and I had no idea that I was going to debut. And not only that I would debut, but I would be facing off against Joey. JNW, Joey Noel, the unstoppable force of kind of funny meets the immovable object of gamespot.com. Can Lucy say. James defeat? jnw and stop joey noel's reign of terror in the steel cage you can only find out on youtube.com slash kind of funny games please go check it out as barrett shows some of you right now also we like our patreon producers anonymous fargo brady tyler ross delaney twinning first responder nd julian the gluten-free gamer alex j sandoval james hastings and casey andrew today we're brought to you by me undies and credit karma but tim rest in peace before he was bit by the snakes we'll tell you about that later for now Let's begin the show with topic of the show. Mr. Evil 37 writes in to patreon.com slash kind of funny games and gives us this gem. Hi, all. I am curious what everyone's top five game development studios are. Not necessarily in order or the ones that make the best games, but the studios that you personally love or prefer for one reason or another. Maybe you just like the people there or the studio's vibe. Mine are probably, and then he lists a whole bunch of stuff, but I don't want to get in anybody's head. We'll get, we'll come back to Mr. Evil 37. He can close it out with what his favorites are. But I saw this question. Me, again, Blessing was working on Bless You. I was there consoling Gia, looking at my phone while we were at Tim's funeral. And I was like, wait a second, this is a great question. Push Gia in the hole. Then they put the dirt on her. They're both buried together now. It's going to be like Undertaker Kane. It's going to be great. Bless She's still alive, uh, yeah. <laughs> Can't you get out of it? You know what I mean? Undertaker got out of it a bunch of times, Andy. You're going to tell mm -hmm. me you can't? Uh, I love this question, Mr. Evil 37, so I thought it was a great one to jump in and go for, especially as much as we've been playing a bunch of different games right now, and we are so hyped for different games coming out this year and in the foreseeable future. So we will do this in the classic kind of funny way, everybody. We will begin with Lucy James, the guest. Then we will go clockwise to Andy, to me, to Blessing, and back around. Wow. We will each give one pick at a time. One pick at a time. I, I, I encourage you to try to not double up on studios try to you know get outside the box this is like you're drafting your fantasy team here even though it have to be the best by anything that's why i wrote down nine here i see that um i wrote down uh, six or seven like other people have six, have six. okay have six. yeah when i first joined the doc it looked like some people had five and i was like all right we'll see about that yeah. i'm sure me and andy aren't gonna both pick a studio that starts with f and ends with software oh, I, I mean love well reminded. i'm just putting that in <laughs> <laughs> lucy as the guest you get to go first what is your first pick for the board uh, my first pick would be Arcane. Um, thank you. Good pick. Good pick. Thank you. Um, just do you, do you want me to go into like the full rationale? Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Oh, all right. please, we gotta uh, we gotta fucking fill this podcast. I was gonna say, we, got some, uh, we got some time to fill. No, I mean I just think when it comes to game developers, there are very few with a pedigree of, I would say hits, but I feel like Arcane games don't necessarily sell or really permeate into the mainstream as much as I would love them to. 
Um, but in terms of just games that are quality and that have such an incredible sense of world building, every single world that Arcane makes feels so precise and they think through kind of everything. They think through the past, they think through it, it, every world they create has such a sense of place uh, when you're in it and when you're playing around in it. And I think what they also do is, which is I, I love, is they're very player first. And so typically, you know, if you see this, if you see a thing in the environment in an arcane game, it's like, what way can I manipulate this or dick around to get to my goal kind of thing? And that's what I really love is that they give you that sandbox. And like Dishonored 1 and 2 are two of my favorite games of all time. I think Deathloop was, is a masterpiece. They're so stylish. Mm. And every time I've spoken to any of them, they've always been the nicest. Um, which is also which is also lovely. We got to present them with the Game of the Year award for Deathloop last year, and like they almost cried. They were so appreciative. They were so nice about it, and it was um, just very special. So I love Arcane. I'm very excited to see what Redfall is. Yeah, Vampires. I keep thinking about Redfall because that's a game that I, I like. I think could be anywhere between like bleeding edge in terms of like a game that comes out a multiplayer game that comes out from a studio that's so talented that comes out and it's like oh this is different oh man i don't know if this is hitting all the way up to it can be like maybe a borderlands if it lives up to its mm -hmm. full potential because like from watching the trailer and watching um the gameplay it seems like that's what they're kind of going for with it and in some ways you can kind of see that dna in death loop where Deathloop has the the uh, different levels for the loot right like they have the the legendary they have like all the different stuff there they have like you know, a, a big open world that you can quote unquote open world that you can like run around and take out enemies and do all that stuff with. And if they're if Redfall's the next step in their evolution, I think it could be special. But also, it's one that I'm sc I'm scared about because we have not seen that much from it. Mm -hmm. But yeah, Lucy, I'm right there with you. They're on my my short my short list, my nine short list uh, of studios. <laughs> um, mainly before their like their level design and their design ethos, I think is so um, unique to them, and it's something that like very few studios do in terms of making immersive sims that feel like you can really exist in the levels and like search around every corner and have something that you can find or something that you can use to get a leg up on your enemy and like go for different cool stealth takedowns and all that stuff like they really prioritize player freedom in a way that very few developers do and they're they're going for this kind of game in a way that few developers do like we've seen deus ex fall by the wayside we've seen like thief and like other uh, immersive sims first person shooter immersive sims fall by the wayside and like as these other games are going away somehow arcane keeps doubling down and making these games and now they're they've become popular for it right like they've found super su success doing it like i think barrett courtney is the one that always describes death loop as being their pop album and the fact that they're able mm -hmm. to come out and actually make that and put it out and actually have it work and be a thing that's a success i think is very impressive and yeah i can't wait to see like what else they do in the future i have a feeling that redfall is gonna stray the most away from what they've done um and i think that Redfall will be something that they work on and make and obviously they want it to be the best game possible but I think it's going to be sort of the bridge in until the next big title that they want to make like almost as if Redfall is like this one's for the fans and the next one will be for us again right like Redfall I feel is going to be more of that much like you know Blessing already talked about how Barrett calls um, Deathloop their pop album but I feel like Redfall is going to be their Anybody can play this. You don't have to necessarily care about the stories or the worlds that we create. This is going to be a multiplayer action fun game with some of the DNA in terms of, 
you know, controlling things. And I'm sure there's going to be all sorts of mind control and telekinesis powers and all sorts of things yeah. like that Shifting that you've around. seen. Yeah, that you've seen in uh, arcane games. But I feel like this is sort of the bridge until the next Dishonored or the next Death Loop or game of that ilk. So hold on, but I, I don't want there. it to be that. Remember, Ninja Theory made that multiplayer. Damn it, Lucy! That's the point I'm trying to get to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, I wanted to say we haven't talked about what. So I wanted to do uh, the synopsis of what is Redfall. If you if because it's one of those that Redfall got announced right. We knew about it. We've heard about it. But an open world co-op shooter coming summer 2022, right? Barrett was just running the debut trailer for it. Redfall is an open world co-op first person shooter from Arcane Austin, the award winning team behind Prey and Dishonored, continuing Arcane's legacy of carefully crafted worlds and love of creative game mechanics. Redfall brings the studio's signature gameplay to the cooperative action in first person shooter genres. And so, yes. My question was, and Lucy's question too, because it's the one as you talk about being a bridge, Andy. Do you think it's a bridge people want to actually be on, or do you think it's going to be like Ninja Theory when they were went right before they got picked up for Xbox? What was that fucking game called? Real Edge Heads, no, Bleeding, Bleeding edge, edge, baby. Bleeding, Bleeding edge. edge. Yeah, is it going to be? I mean, Bleeding Edge, you know, obviously didn't move the needle and w- went away pretty quickly. No, I, I, I don't think it's going to be on that level. Like, especially when Bleeding Edge was coming out, there were talks about it already. Like. Yeah, we worked on this. We kind of put it by the wayside for a bit like, to work on Dishonored sure. or whatever. Um, I don't think it's going to be that at all. I think it's going to be something that they still try very hard on and uh, try to make a, a larger game, especially with all the publicity that Xbox has been giving it. And we're starting to see it at these big, large conventions or not conventions, but just events and mm-hmm. uh, showcases. Mm-hmm. It's still going to be a, a heavily showcased product. Um, but I have a feeling that it's kind of like we're going to make it and by the way we also have our second team starting the work on the next big single player game we're working on yeah i think the fact that it's arcane austin is the thing that gives me a bit uh, of hope for it because you know arcane has two studios there's arcane austin and then there's arcane leon arcane leon is the one that did, that did death loop arcane austin is the one that did prey and prey came out in 2017 which means that like to some extent they've been working on redfall since then right and i'm sure they've all, they've also been working on death loop and they collaborate and all that stuff but this is the next project from the the team from Prey. And Prey was a game that, honestly, I think, like, going back to it, because I went back and played it this last fall after beating Deathloop, I think Prey was super underrated. Not enough people talked about Prey. And I think part 100%. of that is when, when Prey first came out, it came out on PS4 and Xbox One. And I think it had performance issues and things here and there that kept it back going back and playing it on Xbox Series X uh, on Game Pass and having FPS boost and having it run like a dream. Prey is ridiculously good, and Arkane Austin is a ridiculously good developer. Um, and so, like, I think if they're if they're putting a lot of their energy and this is their main next project after Prey, then I got a lot of expectations for for what Redfall can be. Blessing, as somebody who just played Prey recently, and I mean, in the grand mm-hmm. scheme of things, I know you didn't just play it yesterday. One of the things I remember being cool about it for some, but a turnoff to others was how nerdy it was. Like, obviously, we talk about these RPGs and we talk about all the stuff you do in them when you're reading, you know, text logs and doing this kind of thing. I remember Prey really being a RPG, RP, uh, an RPG player's RPG, where it was, here's a whole bunch of text to read. Here's a whole bunch of weird stuff that's going on. It's super sci-fi, but it's not necessarily the most approachable. Is that true? Do you think that had part of the reception to it, that it was denser than some games were? Yeah, for sure. I think it is their most uh, hardcore game. Like, I, if we're talking about 
the arcane design ethos, all their games are very similar, right? They're first-person immersive sim. You're going around, you're reading logs, reading emails, you're getting calls, and they have very similar uh, gameplay structure. Though I would say, like, again, Deathloop being the pop album, right? Deathloop, I would say, is the most approachable one, and then in the middle you have Dishonored, and then on the other side you have Prey being the one that, at least for me, in my opinion, was the one where I, I was like, oh, damn, this is hardcore. And I think it's not even the fact that it's super nerdy necessarily i think it's just more restrictive in terms of upgrades and leveling up and the options like you really gotta figure out the way you want to play you got to figure out what skill tree you want to go down you know if you're using certain abilities that's going to like take you down that evil path and so if you're going to commit something you got to commit to it whereas death loop and even dishonored i feel like there's a lot more freedom specifically in death loop there's a lot more freedom to like play the way you want and bounce back and forth between okay sure. this mission i'm going to use this weapon loadout and these um abilities whereas like in this next mission you can change prey felt way more grounded and also more difficult prey was a way more difficult game than uh than death loop and dishonored as well so i think a lot of that stuff held it back but i do think that like initially the thing that really held it back was its perform was its uh, technical performance which now on xbox series x is fixed on playstation 5 it's not as much fixed you know i'm sure it's better than it was on ps4 and xbox one but um I played it for like about an hour and a half on ps5 and i was like ooh, i do not like this frame rate and i had to switch <laughs> and so like i i think in a in a in a um in a great case they could put out a ps5 remaster or like a next-gen remaster for prey and that brings in a new appreciation for it or do like an arcane remaster collection where they take everything from the last couple gens bring it forward um but also like they're, they're owned by xbox now and xbox does have fps boost and so in a way that's kind of a moot point because you, you basically have mm -hmm. it remastered now um but yeah like i i i think redfall if it is what andy's talking about right which is hey, here's one for y'all, right? Like, the last few were for us. Here's one that is purely a, we want to make a game that people play together and have fun with, and that, that's going to build an audience with Game Pass uh, and all that. I think it could be a hit. I think it could be dope. I hope so. Yeah, it's just one of those things that, you know, outside of their usual to an extent, right, that I think yeah. it'll be interesting to see how it's received and if it, you know, crosses over for everybody. Andy, what is your first pick for Mr. Evil 37's top five game development? studios for us personally from software never is heard my number one um i mean what more needs to be said y'all they <laughs> they started uh inspiring the whole games industry over 10 years ago and have not stopped and it's just continued and continued and more and more studios are taking cues from their game design uh philosophies and I, I think it's really cool that we're starting to see more and more people be open to playing these games because a lot of the DNA has been slowly leaking into all of the games mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. other people have been playing over the past uh, seven, eight years, ten years. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I just th their catalog. The, and I'm talking from software like starting with Demon Souls. Obviously, like I didn't play Kingsfield. Um I just I'm not aware of that era from software. I'm talking about the like the Miyazaki run um, from software. Demon Souls playing that on PS5, having that remake, even though that was Blue Point remaking it, you could see that they obviously are kind of experimenting with a lot of weird shit systems wise and stuff that I legitimately find fascinating and fun. And I know a lot of people don't love some of the systems that happen. Um uh, like the world state in demon souls it's just things it's elements like that in game design that push it to another echelon of creativity for me um bloodborne was my first FromSoft game and i i've said it before but it was a game that chat 
convinced me to play and i was like i'll do it on my birthday but i'll probably just play a couple hours and then here i am just like mega fan i forget um, andy that was recent how was that last that year? was two, two years, years ago? ago okay two years ago yeah it was um february of 2020 was the first time i hopped into bloodborne and just like all right i'll play this for a couple hours but j- just for you all you all like wanted this uh, on my birthday stream and fell in love with it obviously and then Hopped into Demon Souls with PS5, um, and then played Dark Souls One, and immediately saw, like, just uh, Greg. It's like if you, what you were in a coma for twenty years, Greg. Yeah. Right. My legs. And then like you woke up and you were like, "Wow, you know what? I like baseball." And I was like, "Well, let me tell you about the steroid era of baseball. <laughs> let me show you some tapes of Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa sure. just hitting sure. dingers 700 yard uh, feet into them. the yeah just crushing it and it's like going back to that game going back to dark souls one and seeing man for a second when makings. barrett went to b-roll i was hoping he was gonna have mark mcguire and sammy sosa <laughs> b-roll god i wish i was that quick <laughs> just seeing just seeing the makings of god damn they have just been on one since like dark souls one really yeah. and mm-hmm. how ahead of the game they are in terms of game design and level design and again i think dark souls one is the best level design i've ever experienced in any game and it's just a testament to uh them sort of sticking to their guns and we hear stories about how demon souls didn't sell well in um on ps3 and a lot of people i think you know demon souls is going to be a i believe it was going to be a sony game and sony's kind of like played it and it was like nah this ain't it huh it was shoe yeah it was shoe yeah 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 they're just like crap (laughs) this is not it like what are we doing here y'all and um i think it's just a testament to from software and and miyazaki and that vision of like we're sticking to our guns we know we have something special here and obviously uh, i'm very very late to the fan base and i'm just really enjoying this journey that um that they've sort of taken me on and with elden ring coming out now it's like god damn i it's almost one of the things where it's like, Greg, you got to retire after you win the Super Bowl. You know, what when else are you going to do yeah. after this? How do you win the Super Bowl again? What are you talking about? Look at Tom Brady. John Elway. John Elway did yeah. that, Greg. Remember yeah. that? Yeah. Um, yeah I, I, I don't know. I just think that they are just constantly doing the right things and evolving in the right ways um, when it comes to how to bring a new level of creativity to their sort of style of game and now souls likes are just so ubiquitous all over the industry um yeah from software is my number one with a bullet Uh, worth pointing out today as we're recording you know bandai namco has confirmed that elden ring is now shipped over 13.4 million units as of the end of march 2022 lucy you're one of the people playing elden ring do you agree that this is a good top five pick yeah this like if 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 arcane hadn't been my number one I would have said like from like despite the fact that I didn't originally have it in my list because they just <laughs> but like sometimes sometimes it just passes it just you by. Yeah. no I think from software I just for all the reasons Andy mentioned but also because in terms of sort of the gaming PR media scene whatever it is we find ourselves in from don't do what everyone else does like they rarely give interviews instead they. But when they do, whenever, if you get Miyazaki in an interview, he will say something that's just so sweet and profound. Like, the the reason behind the messaging system in Dark Souls is just such a beautiful little thing that he turned into... Did you ever hear that story? No. 
It was, um, so he was driving and there was this big snowstorm and people were struggling. And so there was this kind of traffic jam or something going up a mountain or something. And um, they were each helping each other, but they couldn't get out of the car to say thank you. So it was just kind of people helping each other, but expecting nothing in return, really, to help them get out of this situation. And so that's where the inspiration for the messaging came from. Um, that's awesome. The first it, strand game, people say. Yeah. yeah, they did call it that. They did call it that. Mm-hmm. The first Strand game. And so it's, yeah, just like the fact that, you know, so much of Dark Souls and, and Soulsborns are the mystery, right? It's unlocking it by yourself. And they, as a developer, kind of play into that by not, like, they won't do the, the post-mortem in Edge talking through everything and confirming theories and whatever. They're, they're not putting Vati out of a job. They kind of just let thank the God. community. Yeah, thank God. <laughs> uh, they're just letting the community kind of do all that, and it's. I've never seen a game promote as much positivity, and I'm really glad that it's over the get good because that's what it was for a long time. But now it just is the positivity and helping people along and grouping together and and overcoming these insurmountable challenges, and it's like, it's so special. And also, as a huge fan of dark fantasy, it's just. I'm so, I've started to read Berserk because of FromSoft, and let me tell you, that is an incredible read. Uh, the trigger warnings of pretty much everything you can think of if you want to pick up Berserk. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Like everything you can think of is probably in there. But like with Tam and Eye Patch Wolf and playing Elden Ring at the minute, I'm like so immersed in it that like even though Berserk is not done by From Software. It has so much of it in FromSoft's games that I'm like, I just need more. I'm playing Elden Ring all the time, but I'm like, I just need more of it. And I, I don't think any developer makes games as all-consuming as they do. You talk about pro- positivity, though. and um... <laughs> Thank you, Barry. Here we go. <laughs> Mark Wire stepping up to the plate. <laughs> you talk about positivity, um, but Tam was anything but that in Blessing's first experience of Dark Souls yesterday. Yeah. Tam was... Um, Playing Trolls. defense the whole yeah, time. We'll see if I ever get back to Dark Souls. So. <laughs> Wait, wasn't you know, he doing that to you as well, though? Oh yeah, oh of course, yeah. yeah that's part of the journey with Tam. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, I don't know. I just think that everything that they've done, and just every time there's a new indie showcase of some sort, or just any sort of showcase, it's always here's a Souls like, and what does that mean? Yeah, yep. You drop like, your currency when you die. Or you have these sort of bonfire-like things that reset the world and the enemies, and you have to be more thoughtful with your combat, and it's just sort of... I I don't want to say it's making the industry boring, because I think those are my preferred ways of playing combat anyway, but it's just really cool to see how different developers are sort of putting their own spin on that formula. Yeah, From Software is another one that was on my short list, and I think... You know, when I, when I, the the fact that I can tell you that right now I'm looking forward to the next Armored Core game, I think should speak, speak to it all. Like the fact that like, I've never been an Armored Core person, but knowing that from software that that is reportedly the, the next thing, I'm like, oh damn, all right, give it to me. Cause now I'm, I'm in for whatever they're making. Like the, I've beaten three, I want to say, yeah, three from software games so far. And like all of them has ended up on my favorite games of all time list between Elden Ring, Sekiro and Bloodborne. And for me, the thing that makes their game special more so is i would say the combat systems and like how mm-hmm. engaging how good the combat is like bloodborne especially uh i think really pulled me in when i had the first moment of picking up a different weapon and then clicking the button to change the form and then going 
oh shit all right i'm playing a different game now like this is an entirely different way to approach combat for me you know that plus the visual system like breaking down all the systems that are in each of the from software games um to their core like or to, to their different parts is such a fascinating like oh wow they really sat down and really thought about about this and really turned this into its own thing playing Sekiro was another one where i was like i can't believe they've done this i can't believe they've created a combat system unlike anything i've ever seen before where it does feel people describe it as playing a rhythm game because it is all about the countering and the pairing and figuring out the rhythm of your enemy and it really does feel like a rhythm game and the fact that they're able to pull that off and make it a thing that builds and varies with which with each enemy and goes crazy by the time you get to the end of the game i think it's just so impressive that plus their world building and their their uh method of storytelling like i'm i don't want to ruin one of the one of my other picks on my list but like a lot of it i feel like is rooted in um what we've seen before from like shadow colossus and eco and games like that that are a lot about interpretation and you being thrusted into a world that has had a lot happen and you kind of gain the narrative as you go from software i think took that and really ran with it and really made it a thing where not only is it interpretation but it is no there's an actual story here like we've thought through every nook and cranny and how we're going to place items and place npcs and place characters in all these different places to where you are gaining the narrative you are in this world as an archaeologist uh, an archaeologist and you are taking everything in and finding the narrative on your own i think that is such a powerful way to do it and such mm -hmm. a trusting way to do it for the players that are jumping into those games uh and i think for that it, those games are so satisfying to play because of that reason like the, and i think we talk about it all the time but like there's a there's a certain amount you have to work for while playing playing those games and i think it really does um work to their favor because the people that come out on the other side of like actually working for it and like beating the bosses and fighting the narrative and really allowing themselves to get lost in the world come out being like this is this is one of my favorite experiences ever because there is nothing like it uh for me uh my first pick here out of the five of course will not be surprising to anybody and i'm sure it's on a lot of people's list but i'm gonna choose naughty dog while they're still on the table uh you know it's funny to come off of everything you guys are saying about uh, from software and what blessing was just saying about the journey and getting through it and the bosses and stuff and like have one of those experiences. Like, as you know, like I played through bloodborne on stream uh, and on my own a little bit and stuff like that. And by the time I rolled credits with it, I was like, I totally get why people love this. This just isn't why I love video games and naughty dog is why I love video games. Right? Like, I think you look at the last of us, you look at the last of us part two, you look at the uncharted series and that is the kind of experience I want when I sit down on the couch and turn off the lights and pick up the controller. Like I want that movie meets game. I want that thing where I'm getting something that is emotional and uh, what and, and not having to be, that doesn't mean dark, right? I, we're looking at last of us part two, which is so dark and so crazy. Right. But like, something that can be uncharted can be that pulp adventure can be that you know indiana jones feeling to it and i think especially you know uh for as long as naughty dog's been around and for the naughty dog i'm talking about i'm talking about the start of uh, the ps3 cycle right i'm talking about uncharted uh, drake's fortune on what you, gets me so excited just count out you know the important years of crash bandicoot and, and Jack for what Crash's i'm talking about yeah for the naughty dog i know and the yeah. naughty dog i love yes i do we will act like Big that time. doesn't no no but what i'm <laughs> saying is uh the fact that as we sit here now in May 2022 talking about Naughty Dog and to talk about what we saw in The Last of Us Part Two, what we saw with Uncharted 4, what we saw with uh, Chloe and Nadine's Uncharted, right? Lost Legacy. 
Naughty Dog's only getting better, and I think they've always been getting better at visuals and storytelling. I really think they're getting better at gameplay, and I think they've really stepped up to that call, right? Because even when I was there with Uncharted 1 through 3, saying how much I love those games, there were so many people, sure, but the shooting feels like ass. I don't like the circular reticle. I don't like just the monster closet of pirates that you would have in Uncharted Drake's Fortune. And these are all criticisms that obviously are valid and i can see their point whereas for me the story and the visuals and the experience right the blockbuster moments you know outweighed those frustrations if there were those or the fact that i just don't look to games for that precision headshot and clicking you know clicking heads like a nitro rifle over there and so to see naughty dog step up to that with their most recent games really makes me fascinated to know what comes next you know we talk about it so much on ps i love you whether it be all right cool yeah factions but what's after factions and then is it this last of us remake that they've taken on or whatever all of that, I'm like, yeah, sure, that's going to be great. I can't wait for it. I'm so excited for the first time a new trailer drops at Game Awards, and it's the black screen, and it's Naughty Dog logo, and we don't know what's about to happen after that. Fuck like, yeah. I don't know what character I'm about to see. Like, it gives me chills thinking about it. I got goosebumps. <laughs> right? And it's one of those where I think there are so few game developers that you can sit there and close your eyes and visualize that and get the goosebumps. And because we've had it before, right? I remember watching Game Awards uh, and having it go black and having the Naughty Dog logo pop up and be like, is this Uncharted 3 DLC? And I was like, oh, holy shit, that fucking thing with the ants and the fungus, that was them. <laughs> and it was like, we're you got that Last of Us trailer. We were off to the races with that. Like, I love that experience from them and I love that ride with them. And so I can't wait to see what they do next. And it's because of their track record and what they've done since then, especially again. You know, I lo- Last of Us Part Two. I think, is a masterpiece. And I know a lot of people want to argue one way or the other. But from a gameplay mechanics of how much fun that was to play. And mm-hmm. I mean, like, you know, it's a weird thing to say how much fun it was, or, you know, slink up behind people and slit their throats or run up and hit them with a bat or whatever. But it oh, did. Yeah. It was like such great stealth gameplay, not even like serviceable, not even whatever. Like right now to close my eyes and think about the first time Ellie drops in and you have to get down in the tall grass and work your way through that giant thing where, um, uh, the the silent people are out there doing their whistles and shit. You're like, what the fuck is going on? Blah, blah, blah. Like, so good, so good. Lucy, you've been nodding along. You agree with me? I love that game so much, and like, I completely agree with you. I think there's a there's a suspension of disbelief you have to have with Uncharted one through three in terms of yeah, you are this you know lovable guy who just yeah murders so many people but also there's like the fact that the shooting doesn't feel good i'm one of those people who like just can't stand the shooting in those in those early games but then seeing what they were doing with um for in particular lost legacy like taking this adding the stealth gameplay making it better refining it giving you more options and then when it comes to last of us part two not only was the writing just beautiful it was wonderful i loved that game so much but it was one of those games where yes early days of pandemic probably not gonna touch it for a while but when i was playing it it was one where i just i was so taken in by it and i was going along for the ride so much that i would just play it in long stretches and loving everything that they'd done and i think i'm really i'm really glad that they are one of sony's you know premier studios if Mm. not sony's premier studio because they're given the money and the time to make pieces of art like The Last of Us Part Two. I think they're also just kind of the most surface level impressive. Mm. Like I can't really, sh- yeah. I yeah, I can't really show a non gamer what makes from software games special mm. to me. Sure. Um, 
when it comes to all diving into the lore and finding all the little Easter eggs and pieces of dialogue and reading descriptions and stuff. But in a five minute sequence, you can show somebody the most insane cutscene anybody's ever seen in a video game. And how does this look so good? And how are they pulling this power from a PS4 and we're into the gameplay and all of the sort of uh, conditional moments of, well, I'm against this. I'm against this wall. So therefore, my character animates this way. But if I'm here, my character does this in the animation. It They they just think of every little detailed way to make that moment feel unique and not feel canned uh, like a lot of. You know, they they could have gone half ass and just say, hey, we're going to have two animations for the throat slit or whatever, or two animations for the whatever action it is you're doing. But everything they do is so conditional and so, um, I guess, depending on where you are and what you're sure. doing. They're just so impressive writing wise. And I think thinking back to my first experiences with Uncharted, I it, it, it's why I think Nathan Drake is primarily why I gravitate towards the funny asshole jerk character like Nathan Drake is the reason why I love Guardians of the Galaxy and Chris Pratt in that role. And I love Robert Downey Jr. and Iron Man. I love the sarcasm and the quips. And it sort of further cemented what I love about the Spider-Man, the Spider-Man characters that I've loved in my past of like, I love the dude who's just a cocky asshole and he's funny as hell and he's making me laugh. And even when he's in danger, he's going to hit you with a stupid one liner. That's going to make you laugh. Um, yeah, they sort of, they kind of showed non gamers that this is what games are now. And this is how we're doing them. And it's, it's not just bleeps and bloops. Like this shit is really impressive now. And you need to kind of see what we're bringing to the table. Yeah, and I think, like, if you, whether you love Naughty Dog games or you don't like them as much, I think the thing that I would say is that they're affecting, like, Last of Us Part Two, especially for me, was a game that by the time I finished it, I didn't completely agree with it, but, like, I couldn't deny that, like, it had moved me in a lot of ways, right? Like, I think mm-hmm. of the this, this scene where uh, it, it was Joel and Ellie going through the museum and how, like, mm-hmm. how good of a scene that was, right, and how touching it was, right? I even think of, like, the times where they are going into the violent aspects of last of last of us part two and what Ellie's going through and how that affects, you know, how she deals with Abby and all that stuff. And like, again, like the, the, the message there I felt was like, man, this is doing a lot. And I don't know. I don't like, I, to this day, I look back and I'm like, I still don't know how I feel about that, but I do know that they went for it. And I feel like they go for it a lot more than you see a lot of other big AAA developers of this level go for it. Um, and that's why they're at where they're at, right? I think that's why, like, you know, Andy was talking about the influence of From Software. I think Naughty Dog is uh, in a very similar way in terms of narrative and cutscene and, like, putting together a good-ass video game story that has the characters that grow, has the characters that you love, right? I think Naughty Dog did so much of that, starting with Uncharted 1 through 3. And, like, when Last of Us hits, you know, we talked about on PS Love You that, like, PlayStation took a turn, you know, after The Last mm-hmm. of Us, where you see so many other PlayStation games um, take influence from that. God of War 2018 took influence from that, right? Like Ghost Horizon, like all Days Gone, so many big PlayStation first party games took influence from the success of, of Naughty Dog and Uncharted and Last of Us because they really set the tone with it. Um, and you only see them grow, right? Like Last of Us Part 2, I think, did so much for cutscene and presentation and lighting and cinematic gameplay and the actual gameplay systems and how satisfying they are right like talking andy was mentioning how like 
it feels like they've really accounted for so much in terms of like location, all that stuff, and gameplay. And I, it, it almost feels like it is like the 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 design is so good it feels like the game is improving <laughs> like it feels like you know when i'm when i'm playing as nathan drake and i get into a punch out or a punch fight with somebody and then like sam intervenes and like um punches them punches them across the table and it's like this is gameplay this is not cutscene like this is happening here i don't see many other developers doing that because doing that is so hard and like they put in a lot of work uh into their games and so yeah i'm right there with you blessing it's time for your number one pick but I'm already changing the, the, what we're doing here, right? We're going to be here till 7.30 at night if we do five. So we're lessening it to three. So I'm making it even tougher now, all right? You, we each oh. have two. You can pick three, but that's how it's got to be. Can I do honorable mentions at the end? Is your, honor, at okay. the end, we can do our quick fire honorable mentions. Sure, don't worry about okay. it. Uh, my we're having such be- great discussions about these studios. I don't want it to stop. And be like, uh, uh, well, I just say, you know, EA, and then we move on. Yeah. Um, my number one is gonna be Nintendo, and these are in order, right? We're not ranking these by any means. You can do whatever you want. I, again, I think it's like it, feel out the question, do what you want. Okay, I'm not gonna rank them, I'm just gonna say Nintendo is one of my three. Then, um, Nintendo, of course, they're a small developer known for games like Mario 3 and Mario 64 and Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, and they put out so many of my favorite games. And I think they're a very easy answer, obviously, because they've been around for so long and they put sure. out so many masterpieces and classics. But, you know, I think that still stands, right? The fact that they have put out so many masterpieces and classics. And when I go through my Rolodex of games that really impacted me growing up and still to this day, right? Like I go, I start at Mario 64, right? Like I have Mario 3 that isn't just a an incredible game and an incredibly designed game, but is a game that means a lot for me and me getting into video games and me playing video games with family, right? And the, and the memories I have with it. Um, and that goes into Mario Kart and the multiplayer stuff as well, right? But I also think of games that I'm playing today still from Nintendo that still to this day blow my mind. Like for me, there, there might never be a year like 2017 where the Switch comes out and then I played The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild and I my mind was blown by it. And then later that year, I got Mario Odyssey. My mind was blown by it because it Mario Odyssey specifically, right? Like reached back to the inner child in me who was obsessed with Mario 64 because Mario 64 was one of my first games I ever owned. And like running around going to the different levels in mario odyssey like going through the story having those like having like the disney-esque moments in mario odyssey having new, the new donk city music number number go and then that like then connecting me back to how much i love donkey kong 64 because the original donkey kong was playable in donkey kong 64 like there's so much history and connective tissue between nintendo games and there's so much uh to love in terms of how they think about design and how they think about like you know like talking about talking about from software talking about naughty dog right like Nintendo games aren't hard for the most part. Some of them are, but like for the most part, Nintendo <laughs> games aren't grueling, right? Nintendo games don't have like these crazy ass stories, crazy ass cutscenes. What they do have is such a good idea of what the player wants, and and, and what is they're they're fun. Like they're purely fun, and they're purely so easy to get lost in. Um, and yeah, like I I think for, I think I'm gonna forever be a fan of Nintendo and their games because of it. Um, for- and so yeah, they're easily my the first one on my list. One of the things I've gotten not shit for over the years, but I always feel like I have to justify before I even say it is that I don't ever mean it as an insult, but I think Nintendo's so great at making toys. And that's not to say like build quality and like that, but it's what you're driving at that their games are just fun. Like I feel like there's so many different experiences with video games and I love that. That's why I've stuck around for so long. But like, obviously when I sit down to play a Naughty Dog game, I'm expecting something far different than Mario Odyssey. Mario Odyssey is always going to be this relief, right? It's always going to be this joyous occasion, like you're saying, of what's around that corner? How do I get that la- the next uh, hat? Where are we going with extra, et cetera? And you look at Kirby, you look at Zelda. Like I'm not saying these games can't be challenging. They can't be that. But it is this idea of like 
they are making a game with a very specific thing in mind and it's a very specific core mechanic it's a very specific uh you know uh, visual style and or like how captain toad's treasure tracker works but the idea usually at the center of all of them is they just want it to be a fun game that does it that knows it's a game it's not trying to be more than a game i, I think you know so many of the experiences I'll, I'll talk about or you know go on and on and on about over beers about video games are these oh well it got me wrapped up in this and i cried and i did etc like they just want you to smile and have fun and play and play a video game and that's something that is really powerful i got Lucy. nothing Okay. Good. Okay. They make good games. Then you they, hate Nintendo. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had Nintendo growing up, because I, oh, I totally I love Nintendo games now, but I wish they were as entrenched in childhood as they are for I imagine the rest of you. Like I was PC. I had my was PlayStation. I had a Game Boy Color, but all I had was Pokemon because my parents were just like. She's got Pokemon, she doesn't need anything else. But, like, I wish I'd had, like, a GameCube. I wish I'd had an N64. I wish I'd had those seminal experiences of Nintendo in the 90s. And I'm sad that I didn't. But it doesn't mean that I don't love Nintendo. It's, it's, I think it's enjoyment, just, like, not in a cynical way. I think it is just, their games are just pure joy. It's, like, mm -hmm. pure fun, distilled down. And, you know, Miyamoto and... Is, is this bastion of, of game design and good reason for it. And like their philosophy is that it be fun. And that's why, you know, if I'm ever feeling in, you know, a slightly more down mood, I know that a Nintendo game will probably be the cheerier option for me. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think to, to, to add on to that, right. And add on to what, what Greg was talking about, you know, you talk about how like you wish you grew up with, with Nintendo. And I was just talking to somebody, I think it was like either yesterday or the day before about how, I wish I grew up with more PC gaming because I missed out on like tycoon games. I missed out on strategy games. I missed out on RTS. I missed out on like a lot of the first person games that I knew I would I would I know I would have loved back then, like Unreal Tournament and like the old Thief games or DSX and all that stuff, right? But like in that same conversation I was talking about that, I was like, but at least I had an N64 and like I had friends with the Super Nintendo that I gotta yeah. go back to because I think in terms of growing up with, with with games and how games can hit you in different eras, right? Like nothing will hit you in terms of video games, right? I don't think there'll be anything that'll hit as hard as a Mario game or as hard as like a Zelda game or as hard as the because like, you know, a lot of it comes down comes down to the fun the fun of it and the joy of it. But I think that when you distill down like what makes a Nintendo game joyful, what makes a Nintendo game fun, right? It comes back to game design and it comes back to like art direction and music, right? And like Nintendo knows game design. Like they're just good at they're good as hell at game design. Um like and it goes all the way back to like the original Mario Bros where like there's the famous like explanation that I think about was Miyamoto. I'm going to assume it was Miyamoto who was talking about how like yeah, like the reason why you put this Goomba here is because that ha that makes you jump, right? That makes you learn the jump mechanic and we have these blocks here because so you'll jump into the blocks, possibly getting the, the mushroom and then like the, the the level design goes from there, right? Like when they talk about Breath of the Wild and how that harkens back to the original Legend of Zelda, uh, the original The Legend of Zelda and how, yeah, no, we we templated it, when we were templating Breath of the Wild, we templated it like an original Zelda game so that we we were creating a game where you could go any direction, right? Where, where it has that same design ethos and same energy of, hey, it's an adventure, go whatever direction, find what you will, meet the people that you will and have fun, right? Like the way they think about their games are so pure and I think come back to how do you make a thing fun, let alone their art design, which oftentimes is like 
bright, colorful, like it catches the eye. And it, the art design oftentimes ages better than so many other games we see on different platforms because like oftentimes you'll see it, you'll see developers go for fidelity. You'll see developers go for realism. Whereas like I'll pick up a Mario game on GameCube today and go, no, this looks good. Like this still looks good, right? I'll pick up Wind, <laughs> Wind Waker and like these games look timeless because they just know what they're doing. Like they have, like I think the easy comparison that people make is to, is Disney, right? Where like I'll sit down and watch Finding Nemo, it'll still make me cry to this day. Um, whereas like Nintendo, they do they they have that same energy of what are we creating and how do we make it timeless? And they do such a good job of it. Lucy, we come to you for your second pick of three now. Remember, mm -hmm. but before then, two things. Number one, we're gonna check your mic settings. That last segment you were cutting out just a little bit, so we want to check oh. on that. But number two. I'm going to tell the rest of the audience about patreon.com slash kind of funny games. Remember, you can go to patreon.com slash kind of funny games to watch the show live, just like uh, Raul is, Cameron Kennedy is, and Paul Moore are. Uh, of course, you get the show ad free. Of course, you get it with the exclusive post show where we play Bless Who. But for right now, it's the ad thing because, of course, we're going to talk about sponsors. So here's Tim before he got bit by the snakes. Shout out to MeUndies for sponsoring this episode. You know those days when your coffee shop is out of cold brew and your air conditioner breaks, you try to go to the beach, but there's zero parking spots? Yeah. Life can be hard. Good thing MeUndies is here to help you take a break from the hardships of the world and give yourself a soft summer. Of course, I don't need to tell you. I got the MeUndies shirt. I got the MeUndies lounge pants. I'm wearing the MeUndies undies, the socks. Even my face mask is MeUndies. I absolutely love MeUndies and their soft micro modal fabric. And you're going to love it too. I absolutely guarantee it. With MeUndies light and breathable micro modal fabric, you can stay comfy and cool all summer long. They have super fun seasonal prints and tons of styles to choose from in sizes extra small all the way up to 4XL. MeUndies has a great offer for all of you. Any first-time purchasers, you can get 15% off. If you sign up for the free-to-join membership, you can apply that 15% off to their already discounted membership prices. Uh, to get 15% off your first order and 100% satisfaction guarantee, go to MeUndies.com slash kindoffunny. That's M-E-U-N-D-I-E-S dot com slash kindoffunny. Funny. Shout out to Credit Karma for sponsoring this episode. Have you ever been rejected for a credit card? It happens way too often. That's why Credit Karma created Karma Confidence Technology, helping members apply with more confidence. Are you earning credit card rewards? Credit Karma can help you compare your rewards options so you can find a card that fits your lifestyle, helping you earn miles or cash back for spending money that you're going to spend anyways. Of course, I'm a huge fan of that. I love Credit Karma. One of my favorite features is how Credit Karma uses your credit data to show you your chances of approval before you even apply, which helps you apply with more confidence, and then it doesn't affect your credit score. Credit Karma uses your credit profile to show you offers that are tailored to your financial situation. Uh, they also partner with a wide range of card issuers, so you can be sure that you're exploring all sorts of options. I love Credit Karma. It's so easy to use. Fantastic stuff. Credit Karma, create your own karma. Ready to find the card for you? Head to Credit Karma and check out your personalized mix of offers today. Go to creditkarma.com or the Credit Karma app to find the card for you. That's creditkarma.com. Welcome back, everybody. So, Lucy, James, what's your second of three developers? Okay, second of three. I went for Remedy because mm. they are just cool. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, when I was thinking about this question, it was like, what developer whose games do you really like and but also kind of have a really interesting design ethos? I think Remedy... I just think they're just really cool in terms of oh, yeah. the games they make, the people who work there, but also they are so weird. 
The games are so weird, like Alan Wake. First of all, the fact that they got a, a game about a depressed writer released as an action game. Sorry, my cat. Hi, Peanut. Get <laughs> um, got released. Um, but then it's just like all of the nods to pulp horror that they put throughout their games. The fact that they made their own remedy verse. The fact that, you know, like control is this mix of what would you even call it like the is it scp the the weird online stuff sep scp i think it's oh, like all I know weird what you're spooky stories online and stuff meets x files meets twin mm. peaks and it's such a weird concept for a game and like even now how would you describe control succinctly you know you are a bureau of a weird old house that keeps changing and also somehow you get powers and then hideo kojima's there <laughs> You know, but the fact and the that building they... is like hidden also is so cool. Yeah, cool and no, and no one can find the building. There's and... this janitor that's dope as fuck. And yeah, there's a bunch pencils. of mold, and you're gonna have to clean it. Um, but yeah, it's just they make such strange games, but I'm really glad that they do. And I think as well, and I can't wait to see what happens with Alan Wake too, because they have this kind of their games have this undercurrent of being unsettling. You know, obviously with Alan Wake one, it's the it's Mr. Scratch. It's all of the 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 devilish smoke monster esque stuff. It's people acting weird in Bright Falls, and then in Control, it's you know Jesse Faden's there. She doesn't know what's going on. She's deliberately not being told. You, the player, are not being told as why this world is so weird. And so I can't wait to see them go full on feet first into horror in Alan Wake because they're so good at being unsettling. And I think as well like the. They, their gameplay stuff has gotten better. Sure, there have been pitfalls. I think Control was maybe a little too hard when it came out. Alan Wake playing it recently, gameplay-wise, it does feel a bit funny and like take it. It definitely has a way it wants you to play. Um, but then again, they're also the people who came up with Max Payne, and I can't wait to see them remaking Max Payne. Um, Max Payne. Knowing what they know now, and like those games are already fantastic, and like just mm-hmm. imagine it in the the Northlight engine and just bringing it up to, or if are they making it on Unreal? I forget, but you know, just bringing it up to date with visuals and, and gameplay, and hopefully making them a bit longer. Um, I think they are masters of tone, and I also think they have really good music selection. Shout out to Poets of the Fall. Every yeah, so I... often, man, I think about replaying Control on PS5 just to get all those yeah. visuals and the ray tracing yeah. and all that jazz. Yeah, I was never a, a massive Alan Wake fan. Uh, I remember playing it, and uh, it was one of those sp- spending the night at a friend's house. We, I played some of the game, he played some of the mm. game, and by the end of it, I was just like, I, that. it wasn't really fun gameplay-wise, even though they have the history from Max Payne being kind of gameplay-focused and introducing cool little, um, not gimmicks, but, you know, bullet time, com- kind of a little gimmick, kind of something that you want to show off to people. <laughs> And I think Control, like, made everything just feel so goddamn cool. Um, yeah. All of the traversal, flying, floating. Uh, I I think that was the same year as Jedi Fallen Order. I was like, this is the better Jedi game for me. Like, I, I prefer the powers here of throwing shit and making things float and creating the shield rock and upgrading it to the point where you can explode it after you've uh, gotten so many uh, shots hitting at uh, hitting you. It's normally a game I probably wouldn't go for because it is kind of freaky. It's eerie. It's creepy. There's weird ass creatures that are chasing you, and some of them are unbelievably fast and 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 awful to look at. But um, 
I think that game just nailed art direction. Like that game, more so than anything, was like really fun to play. Had uh, a really neat gameplay loop with awesome ways to kind of upgrade your character and find out what the hell's trying, what the hell's happening in this world. Very confusing. But anytime you walk into a room, you get that big font treatment hitting you. It's like, God, oh, this is like the best so art ever. So <laughs> and lighting and like just colors that they use. Um, yeah, what a fucking game. And I'm I'm excited to see Alan Wake kind of taking some gameplay elements from maybe control and like making that game a bit more active in its gameplay as opposed to like shining a flashlight and running away sort of stuff. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, Control really sold me. Like I, I had played the original Max Payne on PS2 back in the day, and I remember being a little bit into the action, but then overall just not really digging it uh, just because like the, especially for a young me, the greediness and like the drugs and all that stuff just didn't hit me in that way, uh, let alone like having other third-person shooters that I ended up getting anyway that like I felt uh, played better back in the day. Picking up Control and for like first of all like feeling how it played right getting the levitation stuff getting the having the um oh what's the weapon called because it has a cool name it's like the the, the oh uh, um the something it's the, the director's boss, the gun? director's yeah no it's something like that though somebody look it up but like getting that thing and having it change to different forms and having it go oh, cool. from like shotgun and all that stuff cool as hell like the the yeah. service weapon, like how cool! Like also known as the director's cool gun. Me and Andy were there. Okay, yeah, I was going. I was going for for service weapon, but like um, having that stuff, but then also having the world building, which was the thing that really sold me. You know, having like finding the notes of like, yeah, man, somebody somebody brought in a pencil to work, and now pencils are banned. Like nobody's <laughs> allowed to have pencils anymore. You can't bring cell phones in here because the cell phones might attack. Like I, these aren't accurate, but like these are the energy of like <laughs> all the different lore tidbits that you'd get. Like my one of my favorite parts was getting to a certain area in the game and like seeing a guy in like a cage just staring at a refrigerator and yeah and and her being like hey like are you good like do you need help and he's like my somebody was supposed to come replace me i've been staring at this refrigerator for 24 hours straight like please find my replacement and then you leave you come back and he's gone and like there's blood on the floor and the the fridge is still there and you're like what happened and then like that teleporting to the motel Mm -hmm. oh yeah every single time you teleport to the to the motel like that game has such specific unique energy that i like i can't go over every time I, every time i think about the world building and like the visual style of that game it always blows me away yeah so much style and i think that's you know one of the things about it. omega 3 calls out the end of control going through the blank and uh is one of the most op experiences especially with the song going so hard that was the fucking moment that i i remember doing all that stopping hitting the share button downloading the clip and then hitting up tim i was like you're never gonna play control right he's like no mike watch this like this is so fucking cool a top and somebody else in the chat ever. earlier yeah oh yeah. there it is uh Calhan, uh fudka said quantum break underrated i enjoyed the hell out of quantum break for all of its like faults and weirdness but again you you know you said they make uh, uh weird games right loose i know maybe i'm putting a word in your mouth but uh, i think me. they make unique games right like i think that's the thing like a remedy game whether you are gonna love it or be totally put off by it it's going to be something so unique and I, I love that somebody's out there creating it. i love that they get to keep creating it andy what's your next pick your number two of three um th- this is pure nostalgia right here um because nothing in current day has made me believe but bioware is my second pick um not even legend legendary edition was like 
that's that's enough for me. That's enough for me to know the magic is still there. They did a good job with Legendary Edition. Well, I mean, I think the the most faith I have is that Vince Ampella as a whole has showed that EA can take the single player route and be successful with it and not have to shoehorn in multiplayer type things that will, you know, eventually make players not like your game or just kind of be a, an annoyance. And maybe it's a system or a service that never gets used. But yeah, I mean, like, I think overall, like this list that we're kind of building eventually kind of became the best developers as opposed to like not only just our favorites, but oh, this is definitely next. Don't worry. This one is definitely like one of just like my favorites where like the original Mass Effect trilogy is my favorite trilogy of all time. And I love Dragon Age. I never played Dragon Age 2, and I love Dragon Age Inquisition. And I think a lot of people give shit to Dragon Age Inquisition for being like game of the year that year, saying it's like super weak. I love Dragon Age Inquisition. I don't give a damn what any y'all say. It was a fun-ass RPG uh, with a lot of the same elements that made me love Mass Effect, which are building relationships and not only having fun with gameplay, but... Um, Figuring out, you know, who are you going to bang, right? And that's the number one uh, priority that everybody should have. And I think I think the faith that I have, I mean, seeing all these sort of tweets and uh, press reports from EA and people up top uh, in Bioware talking about how Dragon Age 4 was going to be a multiplayer game. They decided to take away multiplayer elements and go single player only. And I think small hints like that are showing me that they are steering back in the right direction. I didn't love what I played of Mass Effect Andromeda. Just It just always kind of felt off. And I, I've i never liked the question of like, yeah, but all of the old Bioware people are gone. Like, how can they still have the same spirit there? It's like any good game developer with good heads on their shoulders can make a good game. Like, they know what game they're trying to make. It's not like people working at Bioware now are like, well, we're going to make this a completely different experience. No, they know what they're going for. And if <laughs> and if they're talented enough and they have the right people working on the team without a whole lot of interference from higher ups in the uh, on the EA side, I know that the people at Bioware are yearning to get back to their golden age of game development. And I'm stoked for whatever Dragon Age 4 is going to be. And I'm stoked to keep on seeing little, little little hints here and there about Mass Effect. And anytime Michael Gamble tweets out, had a great meeting today, I'm like, yeah, you did, Michael. Yeah, you did, big dog. And I can't wait for whatever Mass Effect 4 is going to be. Okay. I mean, Shepard's not back or is it back, but you don't already know if Shepard's back. Alleged, allegedly, that was just someone at the shop. I, listen, we hire people, about... they just write stuff. They've never played the games. Yeah, they just they write things. Games. Why they wouldn't they shout Shepard right, so... Mm -hmm. Uh, Andy, to answer your call, favorite developers, not best developers. <laughs> I, I'm for number two. I'm picking Ilphonic. Uh, Ilphonic, of course, made Friday the Thirteenth. Uh, they made Predator Hunting Grounds, and they are making Ghostbusters: Spirits Unleashed, which, of course, full disclosure, I'm a voice in. But come the fuck on at this point. Like you think that's what's doing? I mean, the people who made Friday the Thirteenth and Predator are fucking making a Ghostbusters game. You think I want to be on here? And so to disassociate Ghostbusters from it, right? Like. I look at you, Andy Cortez, and I look at you, Blessing Adeoye Jr., and I look at you, Lucy James, and I'll be honest, like, there's plenty of times I feel jealous of all three of you and your multiplayer experiences with video games. Because for me, 
for the longest time, I feel multiplayer is something when I, oh, multiplayer video games, I immediately think of N64. I'm immediately thinking everybody in the room playing Smash or playing wrestling or playing Perfect Dark or whatever. Maybe I'm thinking of me and Poe playing whatever, thousands of hours of Madden or NCAA football. And so, you know, blessing when you come in and you talk about like, oh man, you know, me and Yami played this thing all weekend long. And then loose when we lived together and you'd have your overwatch dates with the lads and all this stuff. And then of course, Andy playing everything with Snowbike Mike in the middle of the night and yada, yada, yada. I often feel like modern multiplayer, like it hasn't passed me by, but it's so rare that a game will come in and get me. And I am in this multiplayer groove and I want to be playing it. And I'm not a shooter guy. And that's so, so much of what it is. And I'm not a PC person. There's so much of that's what it is. And so as we look at Friday the 13th here, like for as janky and buggy and all these things that go into the fact that, you know, Friday the 13th, of course, started in, as an independent game. Then it got the license. They had, it was, gun, you know, gun publishing it. Nobody was ready for the success this game was going to find. Like, I will never forget the nights of playing this with Kind of Funny Best Friends. And I will never forget playing it as a team and doing the awesome Let's Play we did, at the, the awesome Let's Plays we did at the studio. I'll never forget having dinner with uh, Hunter and Alexis Pence and talking about how great this game was and then getting Hunter on. And like, I tweeted out of like, hey, we're playing Friday the 13th right now. And everybody coming in and Hunter jumping up and down, being Jason or running from Jason. Like, there's Friday the 13th is by far not a perfect game. But what it does is, encapsulate a horror movie so well in a way that I was even prepared for. And it took like a lot of reflecting on in terms of first off, I got into the, when I got back into the, when I got into the game, I went and bought all the Friday 13th movies on whatever crazy Xbox sale it was. And so after playing however many hours of the game to then go watch those movies and be like, Oh my God, like I knew they were being true to the movies, but like literally I've seen the cabin they're in right now. I've, I know so well because I played so much of the game. Like that's how it was. But also the fact of the way the game played, you'd be watching someone else play and you would do the thing of like, Oh, why are you running in there? Oh, why are you hiding? Why, why would you try Like you had those same things you yell at a horror movie and like the gameplay working like a horror movie, Jason working the way he worked. Like there's plenty of stuff of, I think Jason was like way too OP. Like, you know what I mean? But then it was the whole point of just trying to survive or get away. Like I had so many positive memories of Friday 13th and then even predator, uh, which is not a franchise I'm as into by any stretch of the imagination, but I enjoy like those were so those streams were so much fun, Andy. We played so much Predator and the like, amount of times tra trading that off or fucking Nick talking shit and then immediately getting found out or, you know, something like it was so much fun. Not even streams like the amount that we played that just off stream because we were bored and we just all wanted to have fun and we wanted to progress the, the gun that we were unlocking yeah. or whatever. And you mentioned that jason was op in friday the 13th and um you could be op in predator and you brought up the moment yeah unless unless you were nick where <laughs> the moment where all four of us run through a brush clearing of grass and we just see nick as the predator looking up at the trees and he's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> and he sees all four of us staring at him. And suddenly we're the predators. And he's like, fuck, fuck, fuck. And he runs away <laughs> as the predator. And it's it's just like there's so many great moments like that that um, I, I think generally it's easy to kind of dunk on the asymmetric formula because it's a formula that is not necessarily intended to last, right? Like sure. when you're talking 4v4 gameplay or 8v8 or 5v5 or whatever, there's always uh, replayability. I think asymmetric games can kind of get old faster than what you would normally experience. But those experiences are like some of my favorites in gaming. Yeah, I thought I think Predator was 
as buggy as it was, an absolute fucking blast. And not just because we were playing with friends. That definitely, you know, <clears throat> um, like made the experience better. But I think it was still an absolute blast. Yeah. And so, you know, I hope, I mean, I hope beyond fucking hope that Ghostbusters carries that over. If I can, like, because I mean, you know, I'm committed. I've already talked to Snowbike Mike. Like, when the game drops, like, that's going to be, I'm taking a week off of all the regular shows just to sit there and play it in costume nonstop and try to platinum it and do all these crazy shit with it. But like, I'm hoping that that game's fucking awesome. And like a grant, I don't expect anyone here to be as into it as I am, but I hope when we all play together, it's fun. You know, have to wait and see though. So moving on to blessing, what's your number pick of two or three? It's tough because I could pick, I could go by like the, oh, who's the developer that I think is like the one of the best developers. That's also my favorite. Or I can go for like a truly fan favorite one like Greg just did. Mm-hmm. I think I might go fan favorite. And with that, I'm going to go Team Eco. Uh, Ooh. Team Eco isn't around anymore. Now they are, they're gen design and they're working on a pro- an unannounced project uh, for Epic because uh, they're partnered. But historically this is more of a nostalgic choice for me in the way that bioware was for andy where i think when i think of my favorite trilogies in video games i do think that the eco shadow colossus the last guardian trilogy is really is very much up there for me um especially when i especially when i talk about shadow colossus and eco specifically even though i I do love last guardian i can talk about in a second like shadow colossus is a video game that i could play yearly and still look forward to it every single time like it is almost like reading like a parable or like going back and like playing something that is like such a simple but such a i think like powerful and engaging story right and an engaging experience and going through and hunting down the 16 colossi and taking them out one by one and seeing what's going on with your character like i've told i think i've told the story all the time of like when i was in high school or no when i was young um i had my friend addison who like would let me borrow games all the time and he let me borrow metal gear solid 3 and shadow colossus in the same week and like that was a mind-blowing week of video games because like metal gear solid 3 <laughs> showed me like what video game narrative could be and then shadow colossus showed me what like video game uh, what art in video games can be right how video games can be art and i was young enough to where like i never thought about video games that way because i'd grown up with the n64 and like when i got a ps2 i was playing like spider-man games and spy hunter and shit i wasn't playing shit that was like moving and so like (laughs) (laughs) playing mgs3 followed by shadow colossus was such an experience and shadow colossus was one where i was like i was thinking about it in the way where wow i can't believe how incredible the music is i can't believe how gorgeous this game looks right and even you know, looking back at the PS2 version back in the day, like even that looked mind blowing, even for a PS2 game, like seeing the scale of the Colossi, um, uh, having like going through the process of figuring out how to climb up these things. Right. And like going through the story and seeing what's happening to the main character as like his body starts to get degraded over time. And like you start to put together the pieces of, oh, man, things might not be going as they seem in this video game. It was such a special experience for me. And I think in the ways that we talk about video games living on through other video games and inspiring and influencing mm-hmm. <clears throat> influencing other video games so much of that um or so much of shadow colossus and and eco i think do that right like i see eco in journey when i play journey right i see shadow colossus in fr- in like most from software games right i see shadow colossus in breath of the wild i see shadow colossus in so many of my favorite video games um i think they're a they're an incredibly influential developer and yeah, like Eco, I mean, it's special for it in its own ways as well, right? As an early PS2 game where it is a puzzle game that you are uh, leading along uh, uh, this girl ac- across this castle so you, so you can escape all these shadow creatures, right? Like, such a cool, different, unique game. And then you go into Last Guardian, which is one that I think 
really, I don't, I don't want to say underwhelmed, but one that kind of flew under the radar and got a lot of dings for how it ran because it did have issues in terms of the camera perspective, <clears throat> the camera perspective being um, problematic. And then also like, I think frame rate wise has some issues there as well, but that stuff bumps me out so much because I think the pure message and art of the last guardian is so good. Like it is such a work of art for me in a video game in terms of what the story was, how they went, uh, went about gameplay design and puzzle design and the connection that you really form with this giant bird dog creature, Trico. Um, I thought that game was so powerful. And by the time I finished it, it was also, it was one of my favorite games of that year. I think that was 2016. That was one of my favorite games of 2016. Uh, and I know that doesn't go for everybody, but I fucking adored uh, the, the Last Guardian. And so Team Eco um, is my second pick. A great pick from a great man. <laughs> Lucy James, begin the <laughs> final round of picks. Number three. Um, okay, so again, I uh, like Blessing. I'm kind of torn between this. Um, however, you got to go with your heart sometimes. So I'm going to pick Maxis. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, just because thinking back to my relationship with gaming, I don't think I would be as into video games as I am, if not for The Sims, and showing that it was, you know, it was a different, a whole different world of video games, and it introduced me to so much. Like, the first video game community I ever found was through The Sims. Like, my first experience with modding a game was through The Sims. But I also think The Sims team has been so progressive since the very mm -hmm. beginning, like, allowing sure. same-sex relationships back, way back in The Sims 1. And I'm not... I'm like, you know, just even and even thinking about Sims 4 is, you know, the fact that your Sim can uh, choose pronouns, decide whether or not the, you know, your Sim can be pregnant or not, regardless of gender. Um, there were missteps, don't get me wrong, like the skin tones, hairstyles were not good enough. But like, this kind of feeds into the point where they have such an open relationship with the community that I want to give a shout out to Xmira Mira here. Like she made the melanin pack, which was, you know, she made... A, a pack full of skin tones for the sims and then the sims team saw this and were like we fucked up we didn't do this good enough and so we're putting this into the game mm. and like they're they're so um lgbtq positive um as a as a team and like as a community and i don't think that's really thought about enough like the sims team really kind of goes above and beyond to try and make an, an inclusive space for the players and you know thinking back like the sims player base um you know it was kind of unheard numbers of you know the amount of girls that they got into gaming like back in the back in the late uh back in 2000 even when it when the sims one launched and like what it's done for people figuring out their own gender identity you know they could make themselves for in sure. the sims and um and you know live live their lives in the sims but but also it's just like I'm not going to say there weren't missteps because The Sims 4 launched and it was feature boss. Like there were no pools, <laughs> there were no toddlers. There was shit all going on in that game until. But, Where are all the know, toddlers, man? <laughs> yeah, they, they completely skipped a life stage. There were no toddlers. You went from baby to child in the blink of an eye, which is how I hear it happens in real life too, Greg. Yeah. So, it's going pretty yeah. quick. You've seen Benjamin. So, uh, He's yeah, going bigger no. every day. Every time I see him, Four I'm like, eight. okay, God, taller than me. <laughs> taller than Nick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, but and I, and I think as well, like there is also criticism to be heard with regard to just the sheer amount of stuff packs, game packs, expansion packs that are in The Sims. It's at the point now where I think to get the complete set, you're talking hundreds, if not you know a thousand dollars or something to get every single one. Um, but like the fact that they are so open to modding, to community creations as well, and um, I I love it. Every year I have. A good month where I just sort of hyperfixate on The Sims, and uh, every time, and, and it's because I know every time I jump in, there's gonna be either a cool game pack like last year I was all about cottage living, um, <laughs> or like some really good custom content that I can install, or really cool challenges that the community does, and to see the way that Maxis kind of supports that way is is very cool. Not a perfect like not none of these developers are perfect, of course, at all. Um, none of these games are perfect, but like. I'm thinking about the last 20 something years of my gaming life. The Sims has had such an important and profound effect on that. Um, and that's just me. And that's, you know, it, it's had that impact for so, so many. So, to toss it, I, I, I know the impact of The Sims. I've enjoyed playing The Sims myself many times. It was one of the first reviews I ever did. Like, and that was at, at, uh, when, I, when I was in college, like long before IG or anything like that. But for me, Maxis will always be SimCity. And mm -hmm. SimCity, uh, you know, and I, there's the, most recent one that was a complete disaster with it's always online Ooh. bullshit or whatever, but still a game I had a lot of fun with. Still a game I enjoyed playing. It was no SimCity 2000, and that's a game that I put hundreds of hours into on PC. Like I just played nonstop, did all sorts of stuff with that. But like SimCity is such an important franchise to me in terms of gaming and all the different ones. I mean, I even enjoyed SimCity DS. I remember always giving Jack DeVry shit at IGN for his review of it, which was totally fair, but I just liked it more than I think whatever he scored it. Not, But I think the quality was still what it was. Like, SimCity for me is such a special game, and that's why, for me, Maxis is so special and why I wish they would make another SimCity. I wish they could give them a shot at that. But I digress. Uh, Andy, what's your third and final pick? Oh, man, this one's so tough. Cause like, do I go even further down the fan? Do what your heart tells you, Andy. Listen to heart... your heart. Well, my heart beats like a machine. <laughs> I knew Jesus. it. Crushed God. it. I fucking crushed it. That was crazy. Heart machine. Makers of Hyperlight Drifter. Makers of Solar Ash. Solar Ash comes out, and I'm like. Man, this isn't what I want. This is this is like, I just wanted another Hyperlight Drifter. What are y'all mm -hmm. doing? And then mm -hmm. I played it and I loved it. And I think the team over there just has such a good idea of what feels good and what works in video games. Um, I think Hyperlight Drifter, much like from software, I think Hyperlight Drifter has was sort of that first indie top-down game that influenced a lot of other these these um isometric action adventure games that we see coming out from a lot of these indie developers whether it's pixel art or 3d i feel like they were kind of one of the first ones to make that a uh, a possibility for a lot of these indie developers and show that you don't just have to make a side scroller anymore you can make a top-down zelda-like with a dope-ass dash mechanic and a shotgun and a pistol or whatever guns you want to use. Um, but while still telling a, a really important story and um, you can still have tone and mood without any dialogue, we, could, we can make you feel certain things with just visuals. And 
awesome color palettes, and I think they just they knocked it out of the park with Diablo Drifter. I talk about it all the time. One of my favorite games ever. And then Solar Ash comes out, and it's it looks to be. Um, just not so it looks to be just not hyper light drifter i'm like what man i this isn't what i wanted but you know what color scheme be damned i'm in you know um <laughs> and it's essentially a colorful perfect color palette version of pathfinder pathless yeah um and the pathless is this traversal game and solar ash seems to have kind of been coming out around the same time. You could tell the development started around the same time, but it, they have a lot of the same DNA. And Solar Ash is incredibly fun to play. And when you start to get into a groove and you start to feel that movement, you're, the momentum feels so damn fun and traversal feels um, incredible. And I ended up beating the game. I was like, damn, that was a really good game, even though it's a genre of a game that I necessarily didn't even want. <laughs> and I still enjoyed it. <laughs> And to see them kind of going back to their roots with Hyperlight Breaker and knowing that it's going to kind of take a lot of cues from roguelites and the fact that it's um, it seems to be sort of influenced by. Um, oh, gosh, I can see the logo of this game in my head. Blessing. It's the game that uh, Emmett really loves. Oh, Risk of Rain 2. Risk of Rain 2. Yeah. Um, taking a lot of cues from that. You, it's a roguelite with a lot of roguelite elements, and it's a action 3D game with a dash mechanic and cool ass weapons and great color palettes, and they just get my style. They get exactly what I want, and I just feel like they are kind of always on the right path of making dope shit, even though it isn't what the community wanted. They make a new thing, and they go, you know what? That was pretty damn good, actually. Uh, keep doing what you all do. We we believe in you all. Fantastic. A great oh, pick. Yeah. Good job, Andy. A great pick from a great man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my final That's pick good. for number three is another one that uh, is uh, a favorite. And I think, you know, there's plenty of other amazing studios to put out here that I would argue are, you know, the Mount Rushmore of games and yada, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to say Deck Nine. Um, of course, Deck Nine is coming off of uh, my favorite Life is Strange ent- entry, Life is Strange True Colors. Uh, before that, they did Life is Strange Before the Storm. Before that, you might not remember because it feels like Deck Nine came out of nowhere. They were Idle Minds. If you, if you, if anybody remembers Idle Minds, if you're super old like me, they they did Pain on PS3, which is a game I covered nonstop for IGN. They, if you were an old time podcast beyond uh, fan, they were the ones working on Ruin which became Warrior's Lair, which was then canceled and never came out, which was that Diablo Vita game that I was in a demo for during an earthquake and looked fucking awesome. But like, <laughs> I'm going. giving you like touchstones of like old fucking IGN podcast beyond memories for it. That looked awesome, but just never became a thing. And Idle Minds kind of just, you know, went quiet. It was 2017, I think. They said, you know, we're focusing on narrative games and yada, yada, yada. And obviously... That is uh, narrative games, a burgeoning market, right? And I think a lot of that is spurred on by Life is Strange, which, of course, was created by Don't Nod. Uh, You know, that was 2015 when Life is Strange came out. And I remember when Life is Strange, before the storm got announced, it was going to be by this company, Deck Nine. It was not going to be by Don't Nod. And I remember being like, why? Why would I? This I don't need Chloe's backstory. I don't need a, a story without powers. Like, what is this actually going to be? And I was blown away by how much I loved Before the Storm. Like, I had such a great time with uh, Before the Storm, you know, finding Rachel Amber's story, finding Chloe, doing, like, the. they did so much interesting stuff that 
you know, don't nod, hadn't done in their games yet and played around with it. And I don't think I ever did again. Uh, they, because deck nine does such creative stuff, but like the whole thing, if you haven't played uh, before the storm, like there's a section where you have to help out with the school play. And so you get up there and you have to try to memorize your lines and like you can cheat and like, cause it's some Shakespeare one. I forget which one. So you could have the book open, but you can try to do your own thing and blah, blah. It's like, such a nifty little weird idea and then to have them i really think step out of don't nods uh shadow with life is strange uh, true colors and alex chen's story and how great that was and again for the as unexpected as that game is both in terms of like her power is empathy like what the fuck well, that's gonna be stupid as hell it's awesome the way they do the cliffhangers for the episodes the way they you know make haven springs this amazing town uh the way they you know give you an open world in an open town square way of going around and exploring and talking to people and finding stories you might have missed and gameplay mechanics you never would have expected. And they just really, I feel like, came in and don't and it ate Don't Nod's lunch, which is crazy to say. And especially to look back at Don't Nod, right? Which again, yes, they make Life is Strange. They do this thing. Then they make the vampire or vampire, right? And I was like, ah, that wasn't my jam. But then they do Life is Strange too, And it was like, Okay, Life is Strange 2 was enjoyable, but it didn't have the impact of Life is Strange 1. It didn't have the impact of Before the Storm or what would become with True Colors, right? And then they do Tell Me Why, and then they do Twin Mirror. And it's that thing where suddenly I'm like, okay, I don't know if I'm hyped just sight unseen on every Don't Nod game. Whereas a Deck 9 9 talks about whatever they're going to do next. I'm like, yeah, I'm in. Let's go. Let's, Let's play it. It's, it's wild how they flipped for me. I, I think they did that for me as well, where Twin Mirror, I was so excited about. And then as we got close to it, I noticed that nobody was talking about it. And I was like, oh no am i the one that's like <laughs> that's in the wrong here like i'm excited for this game. and then like i got the code and i was like i'm gonna wait to see reviews and like yeah sure enough they 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 weren't great like i deck nine i think they do everything you were talking about greg in terms of like they they up the ante and find the different ways that in which they can just they can not just make a choose your own adventure game but they can make something that uh goes beyond that and i think the neighborhood in life strange true colors isn't only an addition to the life strange formula it is necessary for that game and why that game is good yeah. it like does so much for i think the central message of finding community and um like meeting these people and feeling like you belong and allowing you to like walk around and go into the different establishments and then go into like side quests essentially in these different establishments i think does so much for that and also like you know i, I you, talk about the ways in which like they might compare to don't nod right i think one of the things early on that I found with Deck Nine is that I think their cliffhangers exceed Don't Nods. Like, yeah, the I think it was because ep- before the storm was like three chapters. I want to say, Ooh, I'm rusty and on that one. Chap, it's been long, so I might be wrong. On, on Wait, this, I'm opening. Like, chap- I'm looking and seeing if I get chapter anything. two. I want to say ended on like the rawest cliffhanger. <laughs> and I remember from that point being like, oh, I love Before the Storm. Like, this is a fantastic thing. Like, it was a. You're right. Episode like, three. Episode three. Ep- or three episodes. Okay. Three episodes. Yeah. And I want to say episode two was the one that like it was. Um, they ended on like a dinner table argument. And I remember that moment being like, shit, I really got to finish this because this is incredible. Like, I think they've really they've taken the reins of Life Strange in such an impressive way. And. I am very much looking forward to whatever Tech Nine does next, whether it is another Life Strange game or their own uh, different adventure game. Like, well, remember, is, I'm excited for it. They're teamed up with Telltale. They're doing the the Expanse, the Telltale series. Yeah, boy. Oh, is that them? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's, it's one of those I don't know shit about the Expanse, but I'll play that game. Please Lucy, would I like the Expanse? You know me. You know me. Um, yeah. See, there you go. No, I don't. I don't know if you would. Like, season one is a bit touch and go. Like, I almost bounced off it, but then when I got to season two onwards, I was like. Oh shit, this is some like this is Mass Effect meets Battlestar. So this is, you know, a Venn diagram of things that I would like, but season yeah. one I would say is slow going. I okay. would love it if you watch the expense. 
Well, I'll just play the game and then we can talk about that. How about that? It's kind of like how I played Doctor Who and Lego Dimensions, and now I'm a Doctor Who expert. You know? Fuck you, Greg. I I almost bounced off of season one. I don't remember these guys. I almost bounced out of seven uh, off of season one as well, Luz. And I Mm -hmm. I never. I think because of season one, I never started season two really in a serious way. Like I kind of started the episode here and there. Jane in his fucking hat. Stupid ass hat. Um, but talk about a character. uh, Talk about a superpower that Greg is like perfect for greg empathy like that's just like that's the the greg ass thing of all time my superpower is empathy god damn you fucking nerd dude what's your final pick what's your final pick Blessing? uh final pick was so tough because like as i look through there are so many developers left who i consider my favorite developers and for me, the more I sat with this as like you guys are going through your picks, the more I was like, no, I think there's only one that I can go with. And that one is Rockstar. Mm-hmm. Um, Rockstar is special not only for like what, what you hear me talk about all the time with GTA Online and how much I love GTA 5 and how much I always go back to online to play racing, uh, get in the highest, yada, yada, do all the different things, just exist in that world. But for me, it does go back to the nostalgia factor, too, of the ps2 era and how dominant um rockstar was and how much sure. they meant to me during that era like i i i i opened up in a different tab rockstar.com <clears throat> rockstar.com slash games to just go through like oh yeah okay let me jog my memory of all the different rockstar games um that they put out and like they were on a run from ps2 to ps3 era and like so much so that it's kind of a bummer to see that they've put out like two games in the last decade but <laughs> when i go through right like it is the the Max Payne series, which I forget if they just co-developed or published, because I know Remedy did that as well. But like Max Payne series, there's a like Midnight Club. There's uh, obviously the GTA games, which means so much to me, especially going back to the story of again the friend, the same friend Addison who let me borrow um, Shadow or Shadow Colossus and Metal Gear Solid Three. I would go over to his house all the time to play video games, even before that. And I remember going to his house and him having GTA Three and sitting and him like going through like the story and whatever and like blowing shit up and me being like oh whatever man it seems like a video game and then getting into vice city and him doing the same thing in vice city and i'm like why do you keep showing me these video games and then he got san andreas and did the same thing and i was like i don't know man like these games seem all right and then he let me borrow san andreas and i took it home and i played it and that's when i realized that this shit is magical i could not believe the game i was playing like the fact that is san andreas especially spanning three different cities right lost the, the the real world counterparts being los angeles vegas and san, san francisco uh it having like a desert it having country it having mountains you can climb it having like a, a hangar that you can own it having all these different establishments you can go in right like that game felt so expansive and even going back to it with the gta trilogy that released last fall even though now that map doesn't feel as big it still feels big right it still feels um uh like it still feels so impressive especially when you look at the diversity of land and what and what they did with it like one of the complaints or like nitpicks that you can make with the gta trilogy specifically is that like they get rid of a lot of the fog (laughs) and so like if you fly um far far out enough from san andreas you can see the whole island of san andreas which you weren't, weren't able to do in the ps2 versions and doing that with gta trilogy it's like huh this place is small, but it looks like such a playground. It reminds me of like seeing a Mario 64 level zoomed out, and it's like, wow, they designed the hell out of this. GTA San, and- San Andreas, I think, has the same thing in its map, where you look at it zoomed out, and it's like, god damn, they really did this. Like, they really figured out how to make this whole state 
available in this game for you to run around in. And like that was such a moment for me experiencing GTA San Andreas. And then that fed into like experiencing other Rockstar games. The Warriors was another one that meant so much to me uh on the PS2 God, the that Warriors. I could not get enough of it. Like that was my that was my first experience with the Warriors because I hadn't watched the movie. And like getting into the game and getting into the gameplay, once I realized that it was a first of all, once I realized it was a movie, I was like, oh snap, I gotta watch the movie. And like I did. Now I'm a fan of the Warriors because of this Rockstar video game. Um, but like that was such a, such a special thing, right? GTA 4, Bully, like the list goes on in terms of like Red, the list goes on in terms of how many fantastic, memorable, iconic games they made. Um, and to this day, right? Like they're still putting out great, great stuff, right? They've had some bumps on a road in the road being GTA Trilogy, but like their last thing was Red Dead Redemption 2. And even though I didn't gravitate to that as much, I was bored by it. And I know like that one is one that is a bit divisive. The people that love Red Dead Redemption 2 fucking love Red Dead Redemption 2. And I think there's a lot, lot of merit there in terms of what they do with it technically and what they do with it in terms of really sending you into the cowboy experience. Red Dead Redemption 2, a game I did not vibe with or enjoy, but I won't I, I sit here and I can tell I, I say it's a masterpiece. Like it's it's yeah. kind of goes back to our remedy conversation where I'm glad that people are making unique games and rockstar is making something that they know even though it will sell a gajillion copies won't appeal to everyone right like but to sit there and watch the snow physics and god the testicles on the horse you know what i mean and everything yeah. else like you can really you can sit forget. there yeah yeah you can really understand what they were going for but I, as I, i'm not even joking though it is a masterpiece obviously even though and I they also like made it. oni and so yeah rockstar <laughs> can never forget oni wait did they make oni they published it uh, i was, okay, I I was gonna say bungie made oni right yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah okay all right all right so ladies and gentlemen for each one of us the lists look like this lucy picks arcane remedy and maxis andy picks from software bioware heart machine i pick naughty dog Ophonic, deck nine blessing picks nintendo team eco and rockstar we have a post show to do we're gonna do bless who but everyone gets one honorable mention and you get like 280 characters to say why you picked it we're not gonna do the whole thing all right so Andy, we're coming back to you now to pick your honorable mention. Insomniac. Why? They just don't stop, man. They just keep putting out banger after banger, and it's going to continue and continue. <laughs> just keep going. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, for me, then, uh, my honorable mention would be Drinkbox. Even though Nobody Saves the World didn't work for me, I still love that catalog of Guacamelee, uh, Tales from Space, uh, of course, Severed, and I'm, they're another studio. Where we're, as soon as they say they're doing something, I'm excited for it, and I want to know more about it. Uh, Lucy, I skipped you. Sorry. What was yours? That's fine. Um, I'm saying id Software. Oh, okay. That's real good. Wolfenstein, like Jesus Christ, hell yeah! Those games do not have, those games don't have the right to be as good as they are. Like Wolfenstein Very Two, true. unbelievable. Are so you talking good. about the, the OG Wolfenstein or the latest one? The latest one. Latest. Ma machine. Oh, machine, machine games. Game? Sorry. Yeah. No. Yes, you are right. I mean, machine games, not id software. Why did I say id? Oh, because it's made on id. Doom. It's made on it's id. It's made software. on id tech. Yeah. Id tech. Yeah. I mean, machine games. That's why. That's embarrassing. It's not embarrassing. You're fine. You're fine. You're fine. Everybody yeah, but I'm a woman on the I'm on the woman on the internet, Greg. But you're a woman on a kind of funny show this deep. Yeah. Right? You, you kind of funny know the difference between machine Best games and you. software. Are you a games journalist? Is that what they do at GameSpot? Yeah. Jesus blessing. I didn't expect you to turn on him. You know, Damn, he's the only one. I, I learned from you, Greg. I learned from you. <laughs> blessing. I would never be <laughs> blessing. What's your honorable mention? <laughs> uh, I'm gonna forego my explanation to name two honorable mentions: Rare and Kojima Productions. I'll say no more. 
Okay, you don't need oh. to. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been the Kind of Funny Games cast. Each and every week, we gather together to talk about the things we love and sometimes don't love about video games. If you love that, you can go to patreon.com slash kindoffunnygames, where, of course, you can catch the post show we're about to do with another thrilling game of Bless Who. Uh, if getting stuff for free is more your uh, jam, don't worry. YouTube.com slash kind of funny games podcast services around the globe each and every week. A brand spanking new episode, sometimes more, oftentimes reviews. Great times every time. Isn't that right, Nitro Rifle? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we've got a post show to do. Remember to subscribe to YouTube.com slash kind of funny games. Of course, follow Lucy James Games all over the place. You're streaming a lot. When do you stream, Lucy? Uh, I'll be streaming again on Tuesday, Tuesday, Thursdays. I'm still continuing with Resident Evil 4. And then I'm in such an Elden Ring place in my life that I might go back to the very beginning and, and do oh. all those. So, uh-huh. stay tuned. Take back everything I said. Oh. <laughs> Until next time, ladies and gentlemen. Game. It's been our pleasure to serve you.